It is 90 bleeping degrees in Pittsburgh right now. Scott Harbaugh warned all of us on Twitter.com not to allow our children to use playground equipment today. We're too soft these days. Back in my day, I'd have been playing on that equipment. I'd have been going down the slide if it was made of molten lava. You found the Adam Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. So awkward. Obviously, this is a new time slot for me. Here's my philosophy. It ain't hard to grasp. I think I look at sports the way sports should be looked at. Sports are entertainment to me. I look at sports no differently than many people look at pro wrestling. I'm going to watch for three hours, maybe have a beer or six, and I'm going to use it as a time when I can get away from all of my real-world issues. This is an ESPN station. I'll talk sports a lot, but I won't take it as seriously as many of you. If you want to call up and have an intelligent argument, that's great. If you want to yell at me and tell me I'm an idiot, that's fine too. But I just don't care enough to always yell back. I ain't a journalist, which pisses some people off. Tim Williams of PiratesProspects.com yesterday said that more people should emulate Mark Madden because he gets ratings, but he said that that would be bad for our society. A couple things. I think Tim does a great job at Pirates Prospects. I buy the prospect guide every year. True story. But hearing it said that way gives all of us a certain level of importance, doesn't it? Sports are great. They're a big part of people's lives. But if the Penguins lose tonight, we're all going to kiss our wives goodnight, and we're all going to take our kids to the bus stops tomorrow. That's the stuff that's really important. If that's how I view sports, then how do you think I view myself, the guy who talks about sports? I don't take myself... That's seriously at all. If we experience technical difficulties, which we have both days we've been doing the show, I ain't going to bitch. If I screw up a tease, I'm going to make fun of myself. If I'm doing a bad show, then I will tell you that I think that I'm doing a bad show. Don't take any of this to mean that I won't bust my ass. Every day that I sit down in this chair, I'm going to be prepared. Transparency is what we're going for here on the Adam Crowley Show. And in that, my goal is to entertain you. For three hours, every weekday. And I'll work very hard to do so. I think I'm funny, but funny subjective. Some of you will hate me. A lot of you will love me. I don't imagine that I'll have many in between. That's life, that's radio, that's politics. The motto of the show is, we're talking about sports. It's something that I don't want you to forget. I won't forget. Analysis will happen, but we ain't talking about national security over here. Circling back to Tim's point, Is it really that awful of a trend that people who shout hot takes get rewarded? Well, it depends on who you ask. But they get rewarded because they move the needle. People tend to blame big corporations for the way that these things go down, but blame yourselves. If you want Grantland to exist and Stephen A. Smith to go away, then read more and watch less. But that ain't how I'll be doing things here. I'll have opinions, but they will be opinions that I truly believe. I'm not going to say things just for shock value. If it comes out of my mouth, then it's sincere. So, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, Tim, you're taking it too seriously. Is there a place for sports journalism? Yeah, no question. Some of my best friends are sports journalists. But if we pollute minds with some hot takes, who cares? We're talking about sports. 
acting as if it's some great sin against our society is laughable. There's not only one way to get it done in this business. There's a place for numbers. There's a place for serious sports talk. I'll analyze. I'll use numbers. But I ain't going to do a three-hour sports update. It's not my style. Now let me tell you a little bit about myself. I like Guinness. It's my favorite beer. When the show's over today, I'll go back to my home in Mount Lebanon, and I'll drink one on my back porch. It's how I decompress. My wife's hot. I absolutely outkick my coverage. I have a dog named Molly. Sometimes she poops inside. And I have two cats, Milo and Marlon. The alliteration is cruel. Milo, Marlon, Molly, I screw that up all the time. I graduated from West Virginia University. It took me five years. Not because I did anything special. I just liked beer more than school. I have an anxiety disorder. Sometimes I have panic attacks. They're awful. But if one happens while I'm on the air, I promise that you'll probably laugh. It's only happened once before. Feel free to ask me anything. I'm an open book. 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. That's how you can reach out. Big hockey game tonight, eh? Game one, the Penguins scored one goal. Game two, the Penguins scored one goal. I'm no super genius, but I don't think that that's a recipe for success. I think the tide turns in this game. The trap has not been the issue for the Penguins in either of the first two games of this series. They've navigated the neutral zone with relative ease. The Penguins had extended zone time in game one of the series, but they didn't shoot the puck enough. The Penguins had extended zone time in game number two, and they ripped off a few shots, but they didn't have many second-chance opportunities. Tonight, I expect zone time, shots, and bodies to the net. I expect progression, because we know exactly what Guy Boucher is going to do. He's going to run the 1-3-1. He's going to have his players collapse the net in the defensive zone. Nothing's going to change. The Penguins have a number of advantages in this series. Star power, well, the Sens have some good forwards, but none are as good as Crosby, Malkin, or Kessel. The Penguins don't have a defenseman the caliber of Carlson, but the Penguins have three stars to one for the Sens. Marc-Andre Fleury's been exceptional these playoffs. He's the number one reason the Penguins are here. Craig Anderson, he's been very good this series, but I take Marc-Andre Fleury all day. The biggest advantage in this series to me, though, coaching. Mike Sullivan has the pulse of the team. He knows how to adjust when the circumstances aren't the best. Guy Boucher's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. The team he's playing with doesn't have a lot of talent. He's going to do what he does, though. He's going to run the 1-3-1. He's going to have players collapse the net, and he'll stand there looking like one of the henchmen and die hard. The Penguins know what Ottawa's going to do. That's a huge advantage. With Washington or Columbus, there was a back-and-forth chess match. I don't see that being the case with the Sens. They do what they do, and then they bore you to death. I posted this on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. What would you rather do than watch the Ottawa Senators play hockey? I've got a few responses so far. Zach tweets, I'd rather watch the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'd rather ride shotgun with Jung Ho Gung. Former Steelers offensive lineman Willie Colon says that Ben Roethlisberger was serious about considering retirement this offseason. Well... Yeah, that's what Ben said, so I believed him at the start. This is different to me than talking about drawing up a play for Michael Vick. Roethlisberger was banged up in each of the last two seasons. In fact, he's been bludgeoned throughout his entire career. A loss to New England was a loss that stung. It was a long season, a hard year. They're always hard, even before you get up there in age. 
We talk so much about how we want concussion spotters to jump in and remove players from games when they look like they could be banged up, yet Roethlisberger gets criticized for thinking about taking himself out of harm's way. In this sport, I'd be surprised if a lot of guys don't consider retirement after every year. Giselle, supermodel, wife of Tom Brady, you know who she is, said on CBS this morning that Tom Brady dealt with concussions last season. This despite Brady never having been listed on the injury report for a head injury. Hmm. Did Giselle misspeak or did the Patriots hide a concussion? If it winds up that they have, given this current climate, this is more serious than Deflategate. They wouldn't cheat, would they? Would you put that past them? By the way, my tweet about male rompers got over 100 retweets, which means that I will wear a romper during a show and broadcast it on Facebook Live. I have a great body, though. The goal is to bring in more woman listeners. At the bottom of the hour, Rob Rossi of Upgroove joins me, Will Graves of the AP at 530, Matt Geica of DKPittsburghSports.com at 630. Up next, who is playing for the Penguins tonight? Schultz, Hornquist, Rust, Daly? I think we can safely rule out Latang. And if Guinea Malkin, well, he talks about losing his mind. It's the wildly popular five-minute major coming up next at the Adam Crowley Show. Now here's everybody's favorite millennial. What's it is, your lips? It's so good. Adam Crowley <laughs> on ESPN Pittsburgh. A lot less people in the building here for the new time slot, so I've kind of just been walking around breaking wind, see if anybody's going to notice. But the more I think about it, being in this studio, Joe is down the hall a little bit. I wonder if the vents are connected. I wonder if I'm just breaking wind in here and crushing him in the other room. I'll ask him after the break. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874. Of course, I will be wearing a romper at some point next week if I get it in time. Still haven't bought the damn thing yet. They can cost like 64 bucks. But somebody retweeted me on the Twitter.com, that tweet, about the romper and said, this is ESPN Pittsburgh's choice to take over 4-7. to seven. Okay. Uh... Melanie, are you the fun police? God forbid we have a little bit of fun around here. Why does everything have to be the way people want it to be? Why can't I sit here and wear a romper while talking about sports? Why do people think that I have to sit here with a suit and a tie? Why do people think that about people who are on TV talking about sports? We are talking about sports, people. When you talk about sports... Joe Blow out there in the parkway in your car right now. What are you wearing? Shorts? A t-shirt? You probably got some chew in your lip or a cigarette in your mouth? And a beer in your hand? Well, not on the parkway. No beer. The other things, probably. But that's usually how it goes. When you're talking about sports, you're laid back. You're casual. You're feeling good. Why can't it always be like that? That romper? That thing looks comfortable. Yes, it does. It's time for our five-minute major. 
It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. Here's the Penguins lineup from the skate earlier on today. Gensel, Crosby, Sheary, Kunitz, Malkin, Kessel, Haglin, Benino, Wilson, Kuhn, Hockel, Cullen, Rowney. I'm okay with those forward lines. The Penguins obviously missing Brian Rust and Patrick Hornquist. Defensively, it's Dumoulin, Hainsey, Mata, Daly, and Cole Ruedel. Here's Mike Sullivan talking about how the Penguins can win without their three best defensemen. Because we believe we have a good team and we have a deep team. And we have what it takes to win regardless of which guys are in our lineup. All of these guys that that, uh, that we'll utilize to be in our lineup uh, on each given night have helped this team win and have success all year long. And so we we believe that we can continue to do that. We, we have... Uh, we have capable guys. I think this team has a chemistry uh, that is a competitive advantage for us. Uh, we believe that. Uh, they, these guys really get along extremely well. They, they enjoy playing for one another. Uh, and, and I think they play extremely hard for one another. So uh, it's just one more challenge that uh, that this team is, uh, is going to have to face and find ways to overcome. I was asked by Stan Saverin earlier today on his radio program. Yeah, that's right. The Godfather had me on. You guys like me yet? Stan had me on. I was asked, when is too much, too much for the Penguins in terms of injuries? Who needs to go down for the Penguins not to have a chance to win the Stanley Cup? And I think the obvious answer there would be Marc-Andre Fleury, the way that he's played. But losing a Crosby or a Malkin would obviously not be good either. But aside from losing those key parts, I think the Penguins are beating the Senators regardless of who's in the lineup. If you've got Crosby, if you've got Malkin, if you've got Kessel, if you've got Flurry, I think the Penguins win. And I touched on it a little bit earlier on in the show. I think it's because of coaching. When you know exactly what the other team's going to do every time they take the ice, that is a massive advantage. It's massive. We've seen the Penguins lose to teams in the past when the Penguins have had the massive talent advantage. We've seen the Penguins lose against the Boston Bruins, a good hockey team, but that team was, in some people's minds, as good as the Penguins have looked since 1993. The lockout shortened season. Penguins won 15 in a row in March. They were unbelievable. Embarrassment of riches, I heard, getting tossed around all the time. Well, the Penguins kept doing the same thing over and over and over again with Dan Bilesma, and the Bruins walked away fairly unscathed. They swept the Penguins right out of the Eastern Conference Final. You can be the worst team and still win if you've got better coaching. The Penguins are the better team. They've got advantages in goaltending. They've got advantages up top in terms of forwards. And I think their blue line overall is deeper. But their greatest advantage is the advantage of Mike Sullivan. Because Mike Sullivan will adjust when things need to be changed. Guy Boucher, down two goals, down seven goals, up two goals, up seven goals. Those guys be skating backwards through the neutral zone. You know what you're going to get. Dump the puck in, cycle, and you're going to be fine. Biggest advantage that the Penguins have in this series. What do I expect to see from Pittsburgh tonight? The lineup that I read to you earlier is what I expect to see, and I think that we're going to see Mark Streit on that top power play where he was in practice. I believe the Penguins go perhaps with seven defensemen. So not exactly the lineup that I said before, but I think they might go seven defensemen 
in 11 forwards and do a little double shifting with Sid Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. I'd be fine with that. The power play's been a disaster. Justin Schultz is good on the power play. He ain't playing. Mark Strait, good on the power play. You could plug him right in. But like I said, I think the Penguins win this series one way or another because they've got Mike Sullivan. And this ain't new to these Penguins. Guys falling left and right to injury. They've been without Crosby. They've been without Malkin. They've been without Murray. They've been without Latang. They've been without Rust. They've been without Haglin. They've been without a number of different players for an extended period of time. And this dude leads the way for the Penguins. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to Captain Sidney Crosby as well. Because without leadership, you ain't getting through those kind of tough times. The Penguins are three games away from the Stanley Cup Final, and they've been a battered group all season long. We discuss that and more next with Rob Rossi of Upgroove. You're listening to The Crowley Show. No way. A lot to get to over the course of the next two and a half hours. The Baylor scandal takes a turn. Going to talk Bucks at about 4.50 with our wildly popular Around the Bag segment. Gregory Polanco has been placed on the 10-day DL. My God, nothing can go right for that club. Hell, he wasn't going right before he got put on the 10-day DL. Joining me now, though, to discuss hockey and a number of different things, our friend Rob Rossi from Upgroove. Rob, how are you today, sir? I could not be better, young Adam. How are you? I'm delightful. You are the first official guest of the Uh new Crowley show, and who better? True. There is nobody better than me. But uh, congratulations. Yes, uh, you get to get up a little later now. That's awesome. I do, uh, which helps with my incessant drinking habit. Yes. Well, you know, as we say about all young alcoholics, certainly you'll age one day, and then you'll probably just be getting up for prune juice. Or I'll just die. Rob Rossi of (laughs) Upgroove joining me here. On the Crowley Show. Rob, the Senators are boring as sin. Ugh. Wait a minute, is sin boring? I thought sin was exciting. I, I think, think I meant to say they're sinfully boring. Yes, maybe. Go ahead. Yes, they are. They are dull and dreary, and uh, they're also uh, devastating that way. And in many ways, Adam, I think uh, they provide as stern a challenge as there exists for the Penguins over the past couple of postseasons because if you think about it, it's one thing to get up for playing in the Stanley Cup Finals the Penguins did against uh, San Jose last year. You know, it's, it's another thing to try to uh, get back there as they were trying to do against Tampa Bay last year. It's another thing to try to go against the Washington Capitals as the Penguins were, you know, trying to do this pass round postseason. I mean, at every step of the way, there was a unique – um, uh, manifestation of the Penguins uh, with this group of both younger players who have never done it before and then older guys who are trying to do it again, right? Or, or veteran guys that had been haunted by not being able to do it for the first time. This time it's different. The Penguins are the defending champs. Penguins have played a lot of hockey and are coming up against an opponent that maybe more than any team that the Penguins have played knows their identity that being the Ottawa Senators, and is committed to sticking to it. And even though the Penguins are a better hockey team than the Ottawa Senators, that doesn't mean that this will be an easy test because the Ottawa Senators will wear you down mentally by sticking with their game plan, sticking with their approach, 
and it is one that will frustrate teams, which is why the Penguins have that unique challenge. You have to get the first goal against this team, and you have to be patient because they are going to try to force you into making your own mistakes. That's really interesting that you would approach it that way, and I think you make a compelling case, Rob, certainly. I kind of looked at it the other way, where when you're a team that's worse than the other team, I think you'd like to be able to have that ability to go to your secondary pitches, so to speak. Throw a curveball, throw the change up in there. They're going to do what they do all the time is Ottawa. 1-3-1, they're going to collapse the net. And yes, while that's frustrating, the Penguins know what they have to prepare for in every single game, and I think that that can be a huge advantage for them. Oh, yeah, look. This is, this is not an interesting series from this standpoint. If the Penguins uh, do what they're prepared to do, right, if the Penguins stay within themselves, if they don't melt down, uh, not that I'm expecting a meltdown, but if they, don't, if they aren't the weaker team mentally, the Senators win by evening the talent through their system, right? They have a trapping system that I don't really think is giving the Penguins all that much trouble. No. Um, but they have a trapping system. It's a one-three-one neutral zone. It's not because they can't score. They believe that's their best way to get the puck back, is to force teams into uh, making low percentage chances out of frustration or cre- trying to create low percentage chances out of frustration, and then they'll turn you over, and then that's where they'll use their speed and skill. It's not dissimilar to what the New Jersey Devils did with great success. And by the way, I think the biggest difference is those Devils teams had really good centers, whereas these Penguin teams have don't, right? Or these Senators teams don't. And that's the difference between a great trapping team and a trapping team like the Senators. But that said, it's worked. Guy Boucher's teams have won the majority of playoff series they've been in, right? There's a reason for that. So they've gotten better teams, the teams that Boucher has coached. They've gotten better opponents, opponents that have more talent, to fall prey to this. So... The Penguins know what's coming. Can they stay disciplined enough to do the things that they need to do to win? If they do, they should win these games. If not easily, they might win this series quickly, but it it will be a taxing series for them mentally. And I think a good type of taxing series, because in the next round, whomever they would face, Adam, the Pittsburgh Penguins will face a team that is going to be able to do some things that physically will tax them. The, 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 The Anaheim Ducks would physically tax them because they are a big bruising team, not unlike the um, Washington Capitals, but unlike the Washington Capitals, the Anaheim Ducks have some higher-end players that tend to come through in big moments. And in the National Predators, the Penguins might be looking a lot like against a team that looks a lot like they did last year, a team that caught fire at the right time, is playing very fast, and has all the confidence in the world. And that would be a physical challenge, too. So I don't think being mentally challenged but maybe physically not as taxed would be the worst thing for the Penguins right now. There are a lot of different ways to dice up this game, and I'll be doing that over the next two hours, 24 minutes oh, or so. Thing. And one of the things I'm going to be looking at is something that you kind of alluded to uh, whenever you were giving your first answer about Guy Boucher in the mental aspect of this, because I think that it's a huge advantage that the Penguins know what they're going to do. But Evgeny Malkin said that maybe with Ottawa going back home, they're going to try to open things up a little bit, and he thinks maybe that can help the Penguins score some more goals. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that what that shows is a little bit of that frustration coming through from Evgeny Malkin. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you, respectfully. I think Malkin's right on. I think he's bang on as hockey players would say, look, trapping teams are better on the road for this reason. Um, They are able to 
get in the head of an opponent with that trap, with that discipline, every hockey team when they're at home tends to play a little bit more free, a little bit looser. Um, it's just the natural byproduct of a couple of things. Having the last change, you often have the more favorable matchup. You're, you're just a little bit more aggressive because of that. The momentum of a hockey game with your home crowd behind you, you tend to get a little bit out of your comfort zone. In these games, if you've watched the Ottawa Senators play, it's not necessarily look at the results, look at the style. The games in Ottawa have tended to be a little more open, have tended to be a little bit looser in terms of their structure, and that's because the Ottawa Senators at home, they aren't as tight of a unit. And I think Malkin's right. I think they are going to have more opportunities in this game, especially if they can get a lead, right, especially if the Penguins can get that first goal on the road. Because it is tougher to stay committed to that defensive approach when you trail at home. You tend to try things that you wouldn't normally try. Now, the counter to that would be, is Malkin frustrated? I think so. I think a lot of the Penguin stars are frustrated because I don't think it's because of stuff the Senators have done. I think it's more because the Penguins, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, I think where they're frustrated is they're starting to sense this look, we've had all these power play opportunities we haven't cashed in. We've had these opportunities where we had the advantage coming back with numbers and we didn't even get a good shot off. I still maintain, and maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way, Adam, but let's face it, I'm not. I mean, I'm me. I'm not Donald Trump. I think the way I'm looking at this is right because if you look at the Penguins, they are making the mistake of not sticking with what they do well, which is getting the puck towards the net. They are settling for shots. And as long as you do that, you are going to play right into the hands of the Ottawa Senators. Rob Rossi from Upgroove joining me here on the Adam Crowley Show. This one more of a question about sports as a whole. I find the trap the most nauseating thing maybe in sports. Is a low-scoring football game or a pitcher's duel in baseball as awful to watch as a game against a trap team in the National Hockey League? Um, did you think Game 2 was not entertaining? I thought uh, Game 1 was dreadful. I thought, I thought game, game 2 was... I thought Game 2 was far more entertaining than Game 1, but yeah. less entertaining than probably any game in the Capitals series. Well, true. Um, I don't think you're going to see more entertaining games, though, because the Penguins and Capitals had such contrasting styles, and there was all that Certainly. Uh, histrionics. But I'll say this. I think you can have a one nothing hockey game that's wildly entertaining if it's played the right way. I don't think these games have been. Um, you know, there was a 2-1 hockey game in Nashville last night, I believe, and that was a great, great, great hockey game. Um, I think the worst type of uh, athletic event to watch uh, from a viewing aspect is a low-scoring college basketball game when the referees are calling a lot of fouls. I like to me, that. To me, that's, that's, that's the worst. Because in a football game, look, the, the Steelers and Ravens used to make a history of playing like games that were 13-9, to 9, right? And there might be one touchdown score, but they were so physical that you got caught up in that. And, and I've always loved a pitcher's duel in baseball because, to me, baseball, the fun of baseball is that individual battle that exists on every pitch between pitcher and batter, right? If you can't get into that, then why are you watching baseball? And in an NBA, I think because they allow their stars so much leeway to, to, to facilitate and to generate offense, you're always going to have in these big moments the opportunities for the stars to shine. Uh, that national championship game this year in college basketball, I mean, to me, 
it's the only time I've ever thought while watching a title game in any sport, I could turn this off, watch a rerun of something else, and be just as entertained because it was a foul fest, and there was no offense being set up. And I don't like it when you watch college basketball and a team, or even NBA, but I do like the NBA, but I don't like it when you watch basketball and you don't see teams setting plays. You just see it sort of one on five. To me, that's awful. I think you're spot on with the college basketball because that, to me, was just awful to watch. And I'm a West Virginia guy, as are you, but I watch them every game this year, and sometimes they can be dreadful to watch. Uh, They can't make shots. They make other teams be unable to make shots, and it can just be awful. Yeah, the West Virginia press is only exciting if they're turning in easy buckets, right? Um, And, you know, the same thing. For years we loved – I mean, I loved watching the Big East basketball pit used to play in the Howland-Dixon heydays, but – Let's be honest, they would play some games that where if the team got the 60 points, it was a big, big victory, and there's only so much ugly shooting you can watch in that sport. That's not to say that hockey doesn't have its problems. It does. This is not a fun series to watch. The Ottawa Senators do not promote the game at all, and for all the people that argue that, I can't argue against them, but my argument would be, when does the NHL promote hockey either? Right, that's exactly what I was about to say. They don't promote hockey very well do the senators so they fit right in they should be in the conference final that's exactly what the nhl wants last thing here with you rob and it is about the state of the league i thought that those hits in particular the one again on rust was were borderline i know a lot of people thought that they were dirty i just wish that the people who said that they were clean would have at least said that they were somewhat borderline. Everyone who was waxing poetic about how great of a hockey hit it was kind of bothered me. I'd like to see those kind of hits be eliminated from the game. I think it might be clean by today's standards, but I don't think it should be down the road. I agree with you. Look, Adam, I'm a, I'm a vigilante when it comes to this stuff, right? I mean, I just believe that we need to get those type of hits out of the game. To me, it was an unnecessary hit. It didn't need to be made. I am all for hard hitting i am all against hitting that is that where the principal point of contact is shoulders above which is what he was doing there for enough i'm all against the open ice hits uh, the victim shaming in the national hockey league by people who not only are at the very top of the league and the executives but but within the general managers who make the rules within some of the coaches, within some of the players, within many of the broadcasters, many of the members of the media whom I consider friends and who I have a ton of respect for. We just fundamentally see this differently. You know, the, the example I used is if it's 3 a.m. and I'm a father and my, you know, baby needs, you know, some sort of supply and I have to go to the convenience store and I get shot while I'm there, it's not my fault for being there. Why is it Brian Rust's fault? Because, yes, he was skating with his head down. Hockey players shouldn't skate with their head down. That's not smart. That doesn't mean they deserve to be crushed. That is not the way to teach people not to skate with their head down. And Dion Phaneuf didn't need to try that hit. And when Brendan Shanahan was telling people those weren't hits that should be attempted, the general managers were telling Brendan Shanahan, shut up. Yep. Shut up. And if you doubt that Brendan Shanahan was a smart guy, look at the Maple Leafs turnaround, right? He's gone in there and re and turned around a great franchise that hadn't had a lot of greatness to it for about 40 years, and now they're on the verge of building something really special. So let me ask you this, if you're an NHL fan and if you're one of these people that thinks those type of hits are good for the game. Do you think the NHL as a game is better off with Brendan Shanahan running the Maple Leafs, 
or being where he should be, which is on the verge of taking it over. Really good stuff, Rob. Appreciate the time, man. Let's do it again, man. Congrats. Looking forward to listening to you. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. There he goes, Rob Rossi of Upgroove. Check him out, upgroove.com. Letters escaping me. English not working. How about this one from Andrew Filipponi? Andrew McCutcheon going to hit 275, 25 homers, and 75 ribs when it's all said and done this year. The hell's he smoking? I'd like some of it. Our wildly popular Around the Bag segment next. It's the Crowley Show. Hunt. It's the most popular sh- segment here of the Adam Crowley Show. Around the Bags. Gregory Polanco. That's it's my fault. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. We'll get the timing down. Joe's a couple of studios over. It's a new time slot. Joe's usually taking a nap around this time. That's my fault, though, not Joe's. Gregory Polanco has been placed on the 10-day DL. My God, the Pirates are in a bad place right now. Although he was in a bad place before being placed on the DL. This also just in Jamison Tyon. He does have testicular cancer. First base. First base. McCutcheon was pulled on a double switch in the eighth inning. Some people on the interwebs are complaining about the move by Clint Hurdle, but McCutcheon sucks. There's no other way to put it. When Crosby and Malkin weren't producing in the beginning of last season, I expected their heads to be put on spikes outside of the Consol Energy Center. And yet people are still waiting for Andrew McCutcheon to turn it around. As I've said, Filipponi tweeted that he expects McCutcheon to hit 275. I've seen some articles that have touted some peripheral numbers that have suggested that he might turn it around. Guys, that ship has sailed. He's hitting 206. He's not the same player. He'll never be the same player. He gets the benefit of the doubt by some. Crosby and Malkin got eviscerated. I'm not in the business of eviscerating. Well, I guess I am in that business, but it ain't what I do. Kutch isn't the same guy because age catches up with people. It's not like he doesn't want to be the way he was before, but he's bad. And I don't see how the Pirates can get anything in return for him. They're stuck with a broken-down superstar less than ideal. Second base. Second base. Someone called the trust buster Theodore Roosevelt because Josh Harrison owns a monopoly on running into outs on the base paths only to run himself out of outs that he ran into on the base paths. I recently did a show where we discussed bobblehead ideas for the Pirates. One of mine was a bobblehead of Josh Harrison climbing out of a pickle jar. That's what he does. Climbs out of pickles. He's hitting close to 300. He's added some pop this year with six home runs. In a year of disappointment for the Pirates, he's been a welcome and pleasant surprise. He should have been out by 30 feet last night. Hell of an effort. Also a horrendous attempt by Dido. Uh, Sorry, I'm in a 90s mindset. I'm a 90s kid. Defoe. Instead of getting in the way of the base and putting a tag down, he waited, lost his balance lunging. That was just bad ball. Third base. Third base. Six of Chad Cool's starts have lasted five innings or fewer. He's allowed ten runs in the last two starts. He's got an ERA of 6.69 with 15 walks in 35 innings. Cool now has 21 major league starts in comparison to 16 starts at AAA Indy. Maybe the dude just didn't have enough time to marinate. Home. Going for home. With the departure of Sean Rodriguez, as sad as that is, and the uncertainty surrounding Drunko Gung, 
A lot of talk coming into this season circled around the Pirates getting more power from different sources. Marte was on that list. He may have taken those talks a little too seriously as he stuck a needle in his backside. Yo, it worked for Johnny Peralta. Cervelli's increased his home run total by 300%, if my math is right. It's possible that it's not, as it took me five years to graduate from West Virginia, and I didn't go to law school or get a doctorate or anything. The Pirates are getting power from a number of guys you couldn't count on coming into the year. Josh Harrison and Josh Bell hit doubles last night. Harrison added a home run. He's now got six on the season. That strikes me as unsustainable. Josh Bell, though, he looks like a dude who can keep popping them out. He's got seven on the year, and he's built like a brick bleep house. Sean Casey always looked like he could hit a bunch of homers, but he was really just like a giant Jason Kendall. Except, you know, he was actually a nice guy. Josh Bell's a big, strong dude. They say power's the last thing to come. Well, maybe it's here for him. We've got no time for the extra bag. Maybe I'll find a way to get that into the show later. Really, all I was going to say is that the Pirates are really, really bad. 16-23, and 23, they've got the worst run differential in Major League Baseball, and the hope was that they'd be relevant again by the time that Gung and Marte came back in. Oh my god, that ain't happening. The countdown for the Gung visa hearing has reached eight days, but a dude who hasn't played a lick of spring training ball isn't going to be a savior. When we come back, we've got the news. That's right, we'll be doing it every single day at 5 o'clock. It's up next on The Adam Crowley Show.